0: Have anything else? I
1: don't know. Do we? I
2: don't think so.
0: And we've gotten uh, 50 minutes. So oh, some good.
2: good, uh, some good Halloween content.
1: Yeah. yeah and I think sure. we got very
0: still. timely. Yeah. Actually we still have to do the, uh, diversity month yeah. podcast. So we still got to get that scheduled.
1: Yeah. I want to bring, uh, Yvonne in for that.
0: Would she be able to be here in person? Mm-hmm. Okay. That'd be mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Cause yeah. I'm
1: thinking we could just like interview her Mm-hmm. maybe or something you know like have her answer some like or me and her just have a dialogue for you know 25 minutes or something
0: yeah
1: um and maybe base it around diversity month and
0: that's exactly what we did folks what you just heard is a clip from the Hard section of this 312 podcast. The voices were myself, Tom Simmons, Everett Anderson, and Alicia Washington. Our Halloween-themed Hard segment was recorded when Everett was up here from Texas, and about a week later, we were joined by Yvonne Alston for the Hard section, which focused on Diversity Month and tackled such topics as the importance of Jedi, the Great Resignation, and how company culture plays into that we got a long podcast here for you folks, but stick around because there were great conversations. Work Hard kicks off now, and stick around afterwards for the rest of play hard. Welcome to 312, the HRP podcast. I'm Tom Simmons, content creator here at HRP, and I am joined today by...
3: Alicia Washington, Director of Marketing and JEDI at HRP. Yvonne Alston, Chief Cultural Architect, Founder and Principal of Indelible Impressions Consulting.
0: Thank you so much for being here with us today. And Alicia, do you want to uh, lead off our conversation?
1: Sure. So uh, it's October. So we are celebrating Global Diversity Awareness Month, which is a month where we pay tribute to the diverse minds and beliefs held by all cultures around the world. It is essentially an acknowledgement that we should remember and understand the value of each human being, regardless of their nationality, color, race, sex, gender, country of origin, language, or otherwise. So we um, wanted to bring Yvonne Alston here today. Thank you, Yvonne, for joining us. Oh, You're welcome, excited to be here. Yes, definitely. So Yvonne is HRP's DEI consultant, and uh, we started our DEI journey last year to create a program here for HRP, um, as we call HRP's JEDI Program, JEDI stands for Justice, Equity, Diversity, and Inclusion, and so Yvonne's been a huge part of that, and we're real excited to have her here today and to have a discussion about diversity in the workplace, uh, the importance of diversity, the importance of culture, and so we're super excited to get started. So, Yvonne, um, what I wanted to talk about today was um, the importance of having a JEDI program at a company or in their firm. Um, Obviously, you and I have worked together a lot, the HRP's JEDI program. Uh, But why is it important for a company to have a JEDI program?
3: Yeah. So, I mean, right now in society, we're seeing this, uh, a lot of movement, right, Um, in terms of, the culture of society, what's important to folks. Um, and everybody often refers back to, you know, the killing of George Floyd as part of the impetus to change. And certainly around uh, the racial reckoning that we see happening uh, in, in society, the ripple effects that that has actually had uh, nationally and even globally. And so through that and through people raising their voices and being more aware of some of the ills, one might say, of society and and what people are being challenged with, there became this heightened sensitivity within the workplace, within organizations for people who were feeling very strongly about social justice out in community, but then started to laser focus it a little bit more on social justice within organizations. And so that shined a really bright light on this dynamic of culture. What is the culture of an organization? Is there, based on the acronym, justice, equity, diversity, or inclusion? Um, And if there's not, what can we do about it? And and so I think a lot of organizations... Uh, certainly, in the wake of George Floyd, right, started putting out these statements about where they stand on on some of these social justice issues, and as we know, some organizations got called out for making statements, but yet still having a a poor internal culture existing within their orgs, and so this kind of really gave this very strong birth to uh, the movement and and the importance of Jedi. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree with that.
1: I noticed it. I kind of felt the impact from a personal perspective back when when um, that murder occurred and also seeing a shift in the need and response from a lot of companies and organizations too, like associations that I was a part of. And in one specific association, um, SMPS, um, which is a national organization, but we have a chapter here in Connecticut, um, I had already... Um, been in the position as task force leader for their DEI, um, uh, program. And it was a year prior to, you know, 2020. So we started it in 2019. So, um, but that really, you know, it gave more life to the task force. We had more people asking to join. So there definitely was a, a shift and, um, the conversation I also noticed was happening more in the workplace like we started talking about things and I even see that now with our Jedi program and the training that you you uh, presented here at HRP earlier this year um, where people are feeling more comfortable to have these conversations at work and or even share experiences that they had either you know, at HRP or in previous companies, a lot of it was at previous companies, you know, and things that um, their companies did not address, they swept it under the rug. And I feel like because HRP is embarking on this journey, we are seeing people with, you know, feeling very positive, very hopeful for like the change that it's going to bring, you know, by having a program. Um, You know, we're currently looking to see what we can do at the management level right now because um, I think a lot of people want to know like okay they know it's important to have the program or they know we should have it but how do how do I get started um, and you and I are going to be talking more about you know what we could be doing from you know the top management and working our way down we know that there's tons of stuff we can do relative to infinity groups and things like that but I'm really looking forward to you know seeing how we can engage people and really starting to Um, bring awareness and acknowledgement to things that are important and that how they really affect, you know, people's day to day.
3: Yeah. And, you know, I want to uh, applaud HRP, right, for as a leader in the industry, for taking it so seriously for the leadership of HRP to say, hey, we kind of understand what's going on in society. And we understand that we have a role to play, right, because we interact with the public on our projects right we employ people from different walks of life and so it's very important that we have some core principles that align with our value and our mission here at the organization, but that we're building uh, this culture that is representative of that. Um, and so, you know, again, I applaud HRP's leadership. I applaud you for stepping up into that that position and picking up that mantle and say, you know, I will be a part of of leading that effort. Um, and it's important, I think for for every organization to be very thoughtful about, the culture of their organization, what kind of environment are they creating for the people who are spending a a large majority of their day and their lives? Uh, and if you're not physically at work because of the pandemic, but you're working remotely or wherever it is that you're working from, um, that there's that dedication there, right? Mm-hmm. To, to the organization, to your particular job role, et cetera. But to also not negate the value of the relationships that occur and the experiences that folks have um, during their working day Mm -hmm. in the environments where they are, especially when they're on site, right? Mm -hmm. And so how are we interacting with one another in a meaningful way um, that brings positivity, as you noted, um, where we feel that we are safe, to express ourselves in all of the dimensions of diversity that we each hold, right? In all of our intersectionality, whether that's across the dimensions of diversity when it comes to race, ethnicity, gender, sexual orientation, uh, those from different socioeconomic statuses, uh, past and present, Mm -hmm. uh, religion, all of those things, um, these are all topics of, of what is important to us all and are a huge part of our identities. Mm-hmm. And so for organizations like HRP to take lead and say, hey, you know, we understand that this is important. And so we want um, the culture that exists here uh, to be focused on the mission and the values of the organization, but also to um, recognize those that uh, do add value to our org, from uh, an intellectual skill set, capability set, that they have personal value Mm -hmm. to the organization. And so that's part of what your JEDI program is doing. Mm -hmm. It's giving that microphone, if you will, to people, to your employee base and your workforce to say, we care about how you feel about working here. We're invested in that because you matter both personally and professionally.
1: segue into the next thing I actually want to talk about was the great resignation that you know we're seeing in the news um, and how that aligns with culture and what I want to also talk about with regards to that is the importance of creating that pipeline mm. of diversity to a company right because what's happening right now what they're calling the great resignation right like what's happening right now is that it's really hard to find um, people, you know, good employees. I mean, we're hiring right now, HRP, you know just so you know everybody we're hiring uh, check our website <laughs> but you know like we're we're constantly we're looking for people and there's um you know as you and I discussed Yvonne, you know it, it's an employee's market right now you oh know? my gosh yes and uh, just yeah. like it's a, a seller's market it's an employee's market right now <laughs> so it's really hard to find um good applicants or um or even you know candidates right so how does that tie into you know culture and then also the importance of creating that pipeline Mm -hmm. um,
3: that a lot of companies, I think, are having challenges with right now. Yeah, so there's a lot of data out right now. um, A lot of, uh, you know political uh, pundits and, and news commentary right throughout the media uh, as to really what is at the core of the Great Resignation. And so people, you know, obviously they point to the pandemic, right, as one factor. Um, but it's really interesting when you kind of fix your lens and you look a little bit deeper and you get into um, some of the details of it, it's not necessarily pay pay is a small portion of it. But from the pandemic, you know, people had an inordinate amount of time home, people couldn't go out and do the things that they used to do. So a lot of people started to become extremely introspective, and started really thinking about their lives, their mortality, you know, all of those kind of facets, and really started thinking about where and how am I spending most of my time? And as it relates to the workplace, am I truly happy there, right? Or I might make great money, right? But I'm working like a dog, I'm working a crazy amount of hours. And um, I'm really unhappy with the dynamics uh, between me and my, my manager or my team, or I'm realizing that the culture of the organization is really toxic. And so they've You know, that level of introspection and kind of sitting with that information for a time rather than just being on autopilot and going into the office day in, day out, people are starting to say, you know, I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to feel like this anymore. I don't want to have to leave parts of myself at the door. Before I walk into an organization, I don't want to deal with the microaggressions anymore. Um, this is causing me mental health issues that I never really took time to think about and focus on when I was just kind of in the day-to-day rat race of work, home, maybe kids, or or other you know um, ways that people spent their time. And they're like, you know what? I'm done. I'm done. And so it's not just the pay factor, it's the culture. Mm -hmm. The culture is a key driver of the great resignation. And so you have these so many companies now who are looking and saying, you know, we wonder why these ships are out in the oceans kind of sitting there with all this cargo, right? Like that's a big topic Mm -hmm. right now in the media of like, hey, we have all these products and they're sitting on these huge cargo ships. We don't have the workforce. We don't have the people to actually do this. And it's because the people are saying, until you treat me, as a valued human being, not just the transactional nature mm-hmm. of employee employer, but until I feel valued as an individual within an organization, I, I'm out, mm-hmm. I'm leaving, that's it. Um, and so it's leaving a lot of employers in a lurch. Um, and, and as you mentioned, you know, when you're seeking candidates, right? The other facet is that candidates are being very intentional um, about which companies they want to go and work with next. And if they sense either through website, through media reports or anything like that, that the culture's off. And this isn't somewhere where I feel like I can bring my full authentic self to the workplace where my value personally and professionally is regarded, where I can have a voice um, and not, and there's psychological safety, right? I don't have to worry about being penalized or retaliated against because I have a different opinion and, um, they're not interested in working for those orgs. And so you're starting to see this where, as you mentioned, the employees are now in the driver's seat, mm-hmm. whereas before it was the organizations who were saying, you know, we have all these great benefits, yada, 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 you know, this is why you should come work for us. And employers are saying, but how will you treat me when I get there? Mm-hmm. And if I don't sense that I'm going to be treated well, thanks, but no thanks. Right. 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 Yeah. And that's a good point. I think too
1: what I'm seeing with um, employees that, especially to your point about working remote, you know, they, they want that position, you know, off, off the rip, you know, they're like, yeah. I would, I want to work from home full time. Yeah. And a lot of positions aren't really like that right now. Um you know like here at HRP we have a very flexible work at home policy and you know but that's really case by case different situations different managers but we do we have a flexible environment in general um but you know when you're hiring someone in like remote isn't really like if it is um an office position you know, we need you here, you know, Mm -hmm. at least even initially the first six months during your probation period and, you know, making sure that you're getting the right training and things like that. Um, but there are people that are just asking for remote positions and let me tell you, I'm sure they're finding them, you know, because a lot of companies have went remote um, during this time, but it has been, um, you know, we're getting a lot more questions in the interview as opposed to asking more, (laughs) more questions (laughs) in the interview. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. So, um, Relative to the pipeline, you know part of our Jedi program, which is really important um I've talked a lot about this with our c e o about um the importance of creating that pipeline because a lot of i think a lot of companies who who recognize um the lack of diversity in their company mm. they um they have to also recognize the recruitment process and like what what are we doing to open up more a bigger pipeline or more pipelines i should say right mm-hmm. to different universities different communities um you know i think that it's it's pretty it's pretty typical for companies like um in aec world right so engineering architecture companies to recruit from the same um, colleges and universities that the principals, uh, came from. Um, it's very common to do that in our industry I, I've seen. And so really taking an approach to, you know, reach out to different universities or reach out to different communities and, you know, really kind of getting involved to teach even the young, young kids, you know, about the services that their company offers. Um, Because we we do notice that there are a lot of numbers that there's a lot of data that shows, you know, um, specific groups of people not really entering in the architecture, you know, um, industry or majoring in architecture, majoring in geology, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that. So, you know, I feel very strongly that if we can contribute anyway as a company, right, to help with the future of our industry is really what we're going to see the change happen over time because Jedi is not something that just is an overnight thing. I mean, it, it takes years and lots of commitment and lots of time and lots of compassion and empathy and all those things to really, you know, create this type of inclusive environment that we, we, we want. Um, but I really feel strongly about, you know, creating that pipeline from a, from, from the right place, you know, starting, starting it and doing it right.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And you know, when I think about pipeline, it's really both an internal and external factor, right? So you have the external factor that you spoke about, how does an organization uh, really tether and connect to the community where it exists and the communities in which it serves? And that's really important. To be thoughtful about that from the organizational standpoint, what schools do you have a relationship with? Um, and and not just elementary, you know, the cute little kids and and help them to to think about the possibility of different careers, things that they perhaps were not exposed to Um before uh before HRP got involved and and other organizations certainly as well, so that's one aspect um is is tethering to the schools right and making sure that you know young adults know that there are viable career options for you here, but then also tethering to um, the advanced education right so when you think about striking uh relationships with key colleges and universities, right? You and I have talked about the importance of uh, making sure that there are recruiting efforts in uh, not just the schools that the principals went to, um, but also historically black colleges and universities, Um, certain colleges and universities that have a focus on various dimensions of diversity, whether that's different sexual orientations, whether that's disabilities, um, different religions, things like that, that all adds to the value and the richness of the culture of an organization. So that's the external pipeline, right? How do you uh, strike those partnerships and that connection with those communities to make them aware of the potential opportunities, um, of the organization. But then what do you do when you get them here? Right. And that's where that internal pipeline is really important. Um, I will say as a black woman and specifically, um, in communities of color, you know, what I've experienced in, uh, my my career path prior to launching my own firm was okay we get you here we talk a good game but once you get here all of a sudden that ceiling gets real low And then if you are able to ascend, well, then the air gets really rare up there for people who look like me, people who come from my walk of life, people who have had those same lived experiences as I have. So it's really important that when you bring folks in, that there's a clear pipeline and pathway to help them realize um, their dreams, to help them thrive, to help them have the uh, career trajectory that they want for themselves within your organization and that's a key factor not just in um, attracting top diverse talent but retaining top diverse talent mm-hmm. you have to create a pathway to leadership, a pathway to C-suite. You can't just say, "Oh, we got you here. This is great. Now we're a diverse organization." You know, round of applause for us, and then just kind of go on about the business. Um, if people don't feel like they have a way to grow, to excel um, intellectually, financially, mm-hmm. um, and, and and economically they're going to jump ship sooner than you're going to want them to. And as you know, um, hiring is expensive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is incredibly expensive to onboard new talent, um, to offer them benefits and programs and all of that. And the last thing you want is to properly groom them, right? Get them to be subject matter experts within your organization and to have them then leave. Right. So the pipeline, the internal pipeline I'm getting, the right mix of, of diverse folks there, as well as, uh, what you do when you get in there and making sure that they have a pathway to their career aspirations is, is so very important.
1: Yes, I agree with that. And, um, you know, I think about how here at HRP we, we are always looking at that and we've made, we've made a lot of, um, opportunities for people here at HRP who were working in different departments. I mean, we have a good um group of people that can say, Oh, well, I used to be in this department, then I moved to this department. I mean Tom actually is one of those people. Absolutely. (laughs) Um and but it's one of those things that I feel like we don't internally mm. um, or even when we are, are interviewing people talk about enough, you know, that mm. we do have that. And um, one of the things that I have on my very long list of, of you know, hopes and dreams uh, for our program, our Jedi program is to have that, you know, written out, you know, here are the opportunities for every department and for every manager to be, you know, pushing for that, you know, at every review and even... Um, quarterly review so in in our department um you know we have our yearly review and i review the staff but then we meet you know every quarter or Mm -hmm. every six months after that um to just check in and say you know how are things are going after what we talked about um you know we go over the org chart that we have in our group to see okay this is where the opportunities are and so but to do that in just a small segment of um my group here at hrp would be great to kind of do that from a bigger level, you know, mm-hmm. so that everyone in the company knows what the opportunities are everywhere, right? Because, like I said, a lot of a lot of the people who've made moves and found opportunities in other departments, they weren't in the department that they found an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And they moved to another one. yeah, um, so I think that is a huge thing with Jedi. you know, um when I talk about it, in the company, you know, I talk about retention and how Mm. it really increases the retention rate um, of our staff, you know, by having a JEDI program and by creating these um, or
3: this environment of, you know, inclusivity. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I'd be curious to hear from Tom, you know, since the launch of the JEDI program as an employee, how are you feeling about where the culture was versus where it is now? What's been the impact directly to you?
0: I think now people are, I've noticed a a greater degree of thoughtfulness in the way that people speak to one another here, um, that I've experienced directly and that I've uh, internalized myself mm. um, people are certainly both more thoughtful but also more open to conversations about um, how they speak to each other and how we communicate with one another and I, I found that to be a very positive uh, area of growth and uh, there's generally a feeling I think of being empowered to have those kinds of conversations that we might have avoided in the past
3: Wow. Well that's huge right and and that's what increases um I would imagine for you as it would for other employees just you know the fact that my voice is now valued in a different way you know um we've moved from this where we can only talk about things and address certain topics and aspects based on uh what's politically correct right versus like this is a topic because this is There are things that are happening in society and communities that are really important to me as an individual. And do I have the space and the opportunity to articulate that, not in a confrontational way, but just as what I'm thinking about and what's important to me and how I can share that and that there's safety in the environment for which I can do so. Um, And also to your point, Tom, you know, that people are being much more thoughtful Right. About the way that they say and do things because they understand where the culture is right now mm-hmm. um, within the organization, that this is a focal point and they want to make sure that folks feel safe to share um Personal, important, and maybe even to an extent vulnerable and private parts of themselves to one another, because my fellow colleague means me well, mm-hmm. um, or this is a safe space in which I can do so, um, and so that's that 's so so very important, and that has a huge impact on retention right right, because right. you know if you you know go down to to the most basic level. It's about relationships, right? The relationships that we share with one another that makes for a good environment, Mm -hmm. that makes for somewhere we want to be. It's why we get into uh, relationships with significant others, right? Mm -hmm. Because we enjoy how we feel when we're around them. They add value to our lives in ways that we're like, okay, I want more of that. It's the same way with organizations. Right, right, and those are the ways to retain folks. Those are the ways to be able to weather uh, economic turbulence that we've seen. Right, certainly from the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, and and what's going on now is when you have that, um, and and justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion are um, present within an organization and our priority within an organization, people are more likely to say, okay, well, yes, maybe this particular year because of the economic conditions, we can't get raises or we can't get bonuses. But you know what? I love this organization so much. I actually have affinity towards my colleagues and my managers and the leadership of this organization that I'm gonna ride the storm with them. Right. Like true loyalty. Right. And and so that's really beautiful. But you've got to have the right culture in place if you want to reap those those tangential benefits when uh, when things get a little bit, you know, off kilter economically and and so forth.
1: Yeah, that was very well said, because it's 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 so important to. To have that loyalty um, and to have that relationship between the employer and the employee, to know that you have the support of your manager and your manager's manager and your manager's manager, um, but also your teammates. So that was very well said. Um, I wanted to ask you, Yvonne, uh, you had actually, um, it was a post that you posted on LinkedIn Uh-oh. recently. <laughs> <laughs> mm. Um, it was about inclusive language and, um, mm. I thought it was really great. And I just wanted you to talk a little bit about that. Cause I feel like it ties into what we're talking about right now. Um, but you know, talking about how people talk to each other, right? The conversations that people have being more thoughtful, like you were saying, Tom, um, and the and, and the importance of inclusive language and how to use it, I feel like um, it's it's it'd be really good for you to kind of talk a little bit about that because I think people want to know more about how to even
3: do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, along with the culture shifts that we're seeing in organizations and society, we are seeing um, the shift in languaging. Right, mm-hmm. the things that we used to say that were considered quote unquote politically correct are no longer. Right. Because people have stood up and said, no, you know, this was allowed before, but this this is offensive to me Mm -hmm. and I have a right to say so. And so as a society, we're moving towards being more thoughtful, as Tom mentioned, about the things that we say and more importantly, how we make people feel right. The difference between intent and impact. And for those of your listeners who don't really know uh, those differences, you know, when we think about intent, and the things that we say or we do, right? We're thinking about it from our own mindsets and our own heartsets, sets, right? This is my goal with this communication or what I'm doing. And oftentimes we're not thinking about the individual, the recipient of that and the impact that it would have on them. And so what we see right now is this shift like, no, you don't get a pass um, on certain things that you say or behaviors based on you know, your own thoughts and feelings about the intent, you need to be focused on the impact of those words and actions. And you are responsible to an extent for that, whether that causes harm, whether that causes damage. Um, And so what we're seeing with language in particular is we're seeing a shift where we don't get to paint everybody with a broad brush, right? We think about, let's just say, for example, uh, gender, Right. Where we always had binary. Right. It was OK to say he, she only. It was OK to say um uh, you know, um, hey guys, when you walk into a meeting and so forth. But now we're more culturally aware that people want to be accepted for themselves. We have people who say, hey, I'm of a different sexual orientation, or I identify differently. And the expectation is that you're going to use inclusive language as you're engaging with them. Uh, whether you're engaging them verbally, one-on-one, you're engaging with folks through social media, media channels, um, whether or not you're using, uh, as another example, pronouns, right, which is very important, um, and allowing people to provide their pronouns to let you know how they want to be addressed and then the responsibility of that individual to make sure that they're using the correct pronouns when uh, they're addressing folks. So that is definitely part of uh, this culture compass, if you will, uh, when it comes to inclusive language. Um, I would say the same thing with disabilities, right? And, And so folks are now don't want to be known as the disabled. I am a distinct individual with disabilities. I am not my disability. I'm not defined by it. And I don't want other people defining me that way either. And so even the disability Community is pushing back and saying, This is not okay how you've referred to us um, over the years. And we want to be respected because we have, just like someone able bodied, fully able bodied, we have intrinsic value and we want to make sure that that's recognized. Mm -hmm. So um, you're just seeing this shift. And I think it's really important for organizations to educate themselves and even individuals to educate ourselves to understand. Mm Um, where the language is at right now, um, how it continues to iterate and get better and more inclusive, um, over time and to hold our own selves responsible for the language that we use, um, but we are on a, a learning curve, mm-hmm. right? And so, and and Alicia and Tom, you know this from my trainings, right? There's got to be a grace given mm-hmm. to one another that we're not going to get it all right because this is a relatively new phenomenon, and um, people are are in the process of learning and growing through this. And so, you know, I would encourage you know your listeners and folks that if you, you kind of step in it, if you will, and you make a mistake, just acknowledge it, make amends, and move forward quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I will say that it's interesting. Um, uh, I was talking to someone yesterday, and we were actually carpooling somewhere. Um, and the person had intimated to me quite some time ago about having children and um, I was like oh you know this is great how are the kids Um, how's your wife and I just made without even realizing it right and we talk about unconscious bias this assumption that this gentleman had kids and so I think my brain just made that automatic connection to wife and he quickly corrected me he said well my husband and I was like oh I didn't realize, I was like, I am so sorry. And and the gentleman said, no, 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 don't worry about it. It's no big deal. And I said, I am so sorry. I realized that my brain made that automatic association. Mm-hmm. And I should have really said your partner, your spouse, because mm-hmm. I knew that he was married. Mm-hmm. And so I use that as an example that, yes, folks, even the DEI lady <laughs> <laughs> occasionally makes, you know, missteps um, as much as we try to be, uh, you know as accurate as we can be when we're engaging with others because of the information that's already stored in our brains we might make you know that wrong association but um i took my own advice and i mm-hmm. quickly you know apologized and and said oh you know my sorry i'm bad and he was like no 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 don't worry you didn't know mm-hmm. and i was like yeah but i do know now so you know and and all was quickly forgiven and we moved forward and and it wasn't a big deal. Right. Um he didn't take it as some major offense. I didn't feel like the worst person in the world. Um mm-hmm. and and you know all is well. And so I just want to encourage listeners that you know you're not going to get it right all the time, but you do your best. Right, right. You know, but part of that is that personal self-education that we're all responsible to do. Mm-hmm. And I think what's also important about that self-education
1: is having conversations with people about things that they just don't understand right so I see a lot on LinkedIn there's this other woman that I follow where she she's also like a DEI practitioner and she has a lot of conversations with a friend of hers who um, debates a lot with her on things but it's very And what she does is she actually posts like what they discussed and how it went. And it's it's very friendly. It's very they're good friends. But there are things that sometimes he doesn't understand about what she's doing or what the topic is. Mm. And um, but what I love about it is that she always talks about how they continue to learn from each other. You know, and so I think it it's really important for people to if there's something you don't understand, go to come to me. I'm the Jedi Director, at HRP. We can talk about it, right? Um, or go to someone else that you know is um that you can confide in or have a, a good Conversation with when you don't understand something, um, there's so many resources out there too that you can you can look up and read through if you don't understand something. But I think that we all do have that responsibility to to educate ourselves on this stuff and ask questions and be part of a dialogue because we always I always learn something new every time I do something DEI related and I love it because it gives me more you know tools in my tool belt right mm-hmm. so that way if i run into a situation that's similar i can you know bring up that example or bring up that resource so i i encourage people to you know ask the question don't think that it's dumb or offensive you know i i get that a lot too we're like oh i don't want to be offensive i was like no but cuz you're you truly want to know the answer to this right and there really is something important about taking that extra step to learn something and and to get more information
3: yeah And, and as you pointed out, you know, there are myriad ways, there's tons of resources out there, right. For people to learn. And, and, You know, taking up that mantle and educating oneself—it is important, right? Because, and you and I, we have talked about this as as women of color. That you know, oftentimes when people don't understand something, they'll just like go directly to the resource and take this position of like, "Please, I need you to educate me," but aren't really taking responsibility for themselves as the initial step. And so, you have people who are saying, you know, especially I'll, I'll speak to it as a woman of color, where people would come to me and just asked me everything that they ever thought of. And I'm supposed to be like this, uh, you know, encyclopedia Britannica of everything black. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I'm always like, we're not a monolith. What Yvonne thinks does not speak for the entire culture. Mm-hmm. um, but whatever it is, I am always appreciative if people have taken the time, rather than coming to me as their sole resource, of taking the time to educate themselves first and let me help to fill in any of the gaps, right? Or if there's some aspect where you're like, okay, I, I, I watched a video about the whole hair touching thing. And and so I really don't understand, is it, is it Okay, or is it not okay? And under what circumstances, and all of this, and you know, should I ask first? Should I not ask at all? Mm -hmm. Like, I appreciate that, that people have actually taken the time to do their due diligence first mm-hmm. and then come to me if, if if you need further explanation. And we actually had that topic
1: come up in one of our Jedi workshops earlier this year. Yes, One we of did. the staff members said that, you know, well, explain this to me. Uh, it was great. <laughs> um, and it was a good, and that was like, I wish we got more of that in that session yeah. too, because that's what I mean. Like ask the question if you don't understand, Yes, just ask. And it allows for people to... Um, to comment on it and just, you know, learn. I just think it's a beautiful thing.
3: It it really is. And I'm going to say this, and, and this might be somewhat, maybe even a, a little bit controversial for uh, communities of color. But we also have an amazing, from my vantage point, an amazing opportunity right now to help, to educate, to debunk myths and stereotypes. And I have talked to some folks, unfortunately, who push back and say, not my job. There's enough stuff out there. I want no parts of it. Um, And I can understand. I understand the emotional trauma. I understand the frustration, the exhaustion, the black exhaustion, if you will, as it's commonly referred to behind all of that. Um, But I do think that we... We do better by being part of bridging the gap between cultures and certainly when it comes to racial divisions um, by finding ways to connect rather than to separate. And so I'm never going to say to somebody, go read a book versus like you said, if they have a particular question for me, I might ask them, you know, what have you done to educate yourself on this particular topic in hopes that they have? And if they haven't, I'll make a recommendation to them and then kind of redirect them and say, but if you have further questions after this, let me know. I'm glad to, you know, uh, discuss with you. I never turned down the opportunity for that, right? Because I want to be part of the change that I want to see. Right. I want to take an Agreed. active part in that and part of that action aspect is being willing to talk to people and to destigmatize those type of conversations to create more comfort right. around those conversations that's part of how we get beyond this is by normalizing these conversations both in family settings in community settings and definitely in the workplace but if we shut down and say that certain things are are off limits right of topics to talk about we're going to find ourselves in the same place that we've been for years and years and years and we're going to undermine uh the progress i think that we've made so
1: I love what you said there, Yvonne, about be the part of the change that you want to make because I feel like I've been doing that um, for a while now with um, the different organizations and, and getting JEDI started here at HRP. And, um, you know, I, I really want to encourage other people to to do the same thing. If there is something, I don't care what it is, right? But if there is something where you see, you know what, I really want to see change here. Mm. You know, what are the, what is the smallest thing that you can do to be part of that change no matter where it is what it is um you know I feel like if we all kind of did that you know a little bit you know each time that we'll start to see change and I feel like we're in a place with when we talk about sustainability and all the things that are actually really happening in the world today you know
3: it would be great if we all kind of took a part of that and and moved it forward. Yeah. What do you think, Tom? Like for you, what does that feel like on a personal level?
0: I think it is very important for all of us to be a part of that change. Um, especially for those of us who have benefited from not having to be the ones that have to do the work.
3: Ooh, that's a good one.
0: I, I think, um, a lot of the times when you encounter people who have some resentment to this what they aren't really realizing is that for the first time the balance of responsibility is shifting away towards the towards a certain group of people and onto them who have mm-hmm. not had to be thoughtful or worried about particular things and for me that especially comes through when you're thinking about uh language and intent and language and the meaning of language I think a lot of people have kind of gone through life with this assumption that language has no meaning outside of intent, but then it's whose intent, because every person in a conversation has their own understanding of what language means, and so you may intend something, but you still have to agree with the person you're speaking to on what the thing means, and if you there isn't an agreement there, it doesn't really matter what you intended.
3: Yeah, Wow. All right, time. <laughs> All right, mic drop on that.
0: I, I think, and this might be too dramatic of a uh, an example.
3: No, no, no. Bring it, bring it, bring it. But the
0: analogy that I that I keep going back to because I think it does make it very clear for people is drunk driving. Um, mm. if you if you drink and you get behind a car uh, behind the wheel and you cause a car accident. You certainly didn't intend to do that. Yeah. But because you were reckless in your decisions, you've still. Something has happened that has had a real impact on someone else and you can't, that you can't ignore and that you are responsible for.
3: Right. Right. And that you can't take back. Right. And to your point, same thing with language and the words that we use and how we treat one another. Right. Once we say or do the thing, yeah, you can apologize, but the impact has already occurred. And there are things that, you know, cause very deep harm to other individuals, and we need to be thinking about other individuals in that way. And so I love the fact that, you know, for you, that is something that's very personal, you know, and I think that's the thing is... Some people look at Jedi and DEI and they say, Oh, it's so big, it's so vast, like I, I can't even wrap my head around it all. And I'm gonna take a line from my new friend, Adrian Billing Smith, who says, And and Adrian, don't kill me if I get this wrong, mm-hmm. but it was uh, something along the lines of, I don't need you to move the mountain, I just need you to pick up a stone.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Right? And what that basically says is, we can all do our part find the thing that moves you most find the thing that irritates you most whatever the injustice right that thing is and lend yourself to it whether that's time whether that's resources, whether that's coming on a podcast and talking about it or joining a clubhouse discussion, if that means, you know, uh, being a part of social justice movement in some way, if that's being a part of your organization's uh, employee resource groups, Jedi groups, getting involved, lending your voice, your time, your talent, your capabilities, your intellect to those things. When we start to do things and each individual individual does it we get to see some really amazing change happening and I feel like we're starting to see that it might not be uh, at the fastest pace for some uh, communities for some organizations but if we just all hang in there and keep going I think we're we're gonna we're gonna come to a really beautiful place and not just for ourselves but for the generations to come because this is exactly what when we think of uh civil rights era leaders, right, that came before us that were doing this work in in some might say much harsher right. circumstances and societal conditions. Um you know, they they put their feet to to the ground and they petitioned and, and they walked and they did strikes and they boycotted buses and, and they did all these things for us. Mm -hmm. So what more of a responsibility do we have as being a part of mankind than to move the ball further down the field for the next generations? Right. You know, I know Alicia, you have small children. I have a teenage daughter, but I want it to be different for her. I want it to be different for the generations that may come from her. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't want her to be sitting there at my age on a podcast Mm -hmm. (laughs) who knows what they'll have by then um technologically but to be having these same conversations or to say i can harken back to x amount of years ago 30 years ago uh uh-oh i think i just gave my age (laughs) um when my mom was having these same conversations saying the same thing and we've moved the needle very little Right. right, And I would imagine for you, it's, it's the same, or if we had siblings or whatever, we want it better for them. Mm-hmm. And that's why I started doing the work that I did. It was yeah. right after I had my son and, um,
1: it, it just, I don't know, I just started to, one of the things that I thought a lot about when I was pregnant was, you know, I was very fearful for mm-hmm. his life, you know? Um, and same thing with my daughter, same thing, just thinking about, you know, i want them to be successful like you know you think i was just thinking a lot about you know the the life they would live and you know goodness i just want them to be happy and and kind and successful and and then in that same thought it was like well what are all the different things they're going to have to deal with you know Mm. um being black and puerto rican was Mm. was a big thing for me um and just dealing with that from, you know, oh, well, they're not black enough or they're not Puerto Rican enough or, you know, my daughter has this amazing, beautiful curly hair and Mm. everyone's going to want to pet her, you know, like, you know, like (laughs) my daughter's same boat. Yeah. Yeah, You know, so like seeing those things, like as they were little, I'm just like, I just want to do something that will hopefully, you know, decrease the odds of Mm. them having to deal with stuff like that. Yeah. You know, so um, that they have they have been my my drive for for this work. And
3: I'm very, very blessed with them. All right. So did you hear that leaders like right <laughs> here on this podcast? Right. You have you have two women, two women of color who are saying like this is about the generations to come. And so I would encourage any leaders that are listening to this to be thoughtful and personalize that for you. Right. What kind of experience do you want Uh, your daughters or your sons or, or whatever the orientation of your children are, what kind of experience do you want them to have? What don't you want them to have to deal with when they get to where you are, Mm -hmm. regardless of the industry, the career path, whatever it is that they end up doing, If you don't want this, what we're talking about right now, being necessary in terms of trying to correct uh, uh, where the culture is right now, then take up the mantle for yourself. Take up the mantle for yourself and be very intentional and specific about what you're going to do to move justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion forward from a personal and professional standpoint.
1: Well, thank you so much, Yvonne, for joining us today. This was awesome. Yeah. I'm so glad. I look forward to um, having more conversations
3: with you on HRP 312 Podcast. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Thanks so much. Yeah. Uh, it's been a blast. Thank you so much for, for hosting me. Thank you. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.
1: Yay. Oh, great.
0: So One of the player topics was... Pop culture, uh, items like music, movies, whatever that you always hated that now you've come around to and love.
1: No, no, I feel like for me, I always like the stuff that nobody likes. Yeah. <laughs> I still do. <laughs> like, um, I mean, a lot of people like, I think, um, horror films, right? And like the, the next Halloween, I think is coming out on the 15th. And um, like, people are calling me about it. They're like, do you know it's coming out? I'm like, you already know. <laughs> like, I'm so excited about it. And it's so funny because like the last Halloween that came out, you know, we thought he was done. Like he was, he was finished. She finished him. Mm -hmm. She didn't, she did not. I'm super excited about that.
0: Mm -hmm. My example was, uh, uh, the music of ABBA. Mm. I hate that song. It was so annoying to me forever. It's stupid mama Mia musical. I hated all that stuff. And now I'm just like, yeah, I love these songs. Really? (laughs) What
1: did it for you?
0: It was probably TikTok because the, they had the ending of the, Chikitika yeah. that like piano where he's pound, they're pounding away on. It's like oh, this is really good.
1: Yeah, and you love music too. Oh, so yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's cool.
2: I'd probably say any music that my dad listened to when I was a kid.
1: Mm, that's a good mm. one.
2: Because it was just like you can't you can't like what your dad likes. Like that's old people music, and now you're like oh, that's the best music. Yeah. <laughs>
1: See so that's exactly my point right so like my dad listened to the Temptations the Four Tops like he loved I think it was like 92.6 was the station he listened to um and I always loved it and I still love it it's hmm. it's got that good it's good, good motown music mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I always loved it
2: yeah mm-hmm. my dad always listened to like like i want to say like i don't know 60s 70s 80s rock, pretty much like that, just like classic rock. And he, he always had, uh, like forever, he had like the X, like the original, like serious radio before it was like XM radio or one or the other. I don't know. They were like totally different. There were two different ones at one point. And he would always listen to Grateful Dead radio. And I'd always just be like, oh, this is so boring. (laughs) My God, this is horrible. And now it's like, probably half of what I listen to is mm-hmm. just like that kind of music. And it's just funny that it's like completely changes, but it's like, I think it's more of like a a defiance thing at mm-hmm. first, right? Like you're kind of like, you know, no, 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 no I'm listening to, the, you know, the cool stuff. <laughs> and then it's like, you know, you get old and you're like, eh, no, he was right.
1: Well, it's familiar when you get old. It's almost like, um, you know, just remembering the time from when you were young and, it's actually very familiar, and you're like, no, I like this.
2: Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, something good. Yeah, I agree. But for like movies and stuff like that, I can't really think of anything that I hated and liked. I think I probably liked so many movies that were so bad. Like I probably watched. I probably liked a lot of movies that people hated, mm-hmm. but I liked them. I kind of still do. You still do. have terrible taste. Yeah. I do. I still have pretty <laughs> bad taste, but. Uh, yeah, until Tom talks about it and I'm like, maybe I do hate that yeah. movie. <laughs> <laughs> Tom gets all Tom gets all, gets all introspective on like, you know, the the what it's supposed to mean and I'm just like, no.
1: <laughs> I don't
2: I don't think during movies. It's just kind of like I noticed. It's just kind of but that's what a movie is. You just sit down and you and you you
0: No, it's a spectacle. Well, what's the difference? I mean, A spectacle is just anything that, like, wipes out your attention and sense of self for a moment. It allows you to get through the day by uh, obliterating your awareness. It could be literally anything.
2: I feel like that's most movies that I
1: watch. That's like Netflix. Yeah, right, exactly. (laughs) That's the definition of Netflix. It's
0: just noise as opposed to, you know, film or cinema is art that is supposed to challenge something, whether that be your emotional status quo or prime you to think about something in a a new or a different way?
1: Those are basically all the Oscar-winning movies. So right, so when the Oscars come out and the winners come out, you're like, never seen any of these. Mm -hmm. And then you go watch them and you're like, you know, it does all of that. You cry, you self-reflect, and you're like, this is a great movie. No wonder why (laughs) it won. Um, Those kinds of movies for sure. But, like, when I think about the movies I watch and I still love – It was actually a – we had a 312 last year. It was one of the virtual 312s, and we were talking about this. And I just put it out there. I'm like, I like John Cloud Van Damme movies, and I like Arnold Schwarzenegger movies. Like, those were my favorite. And everyone, like, ruined me on that call. They were like, what do you mean? And I'm like, are you kidding me right now? He's like the man, both of them. So it's just so funny that – it's, it's nostalgic. Mm-hmm. Like I still, I have all of those movies on DVD and my son knows all exactly who those people are. Mm-hmm. Like it's yeah. just, I don't know. There's something about it. It was great.
0: It makes me think of a, an interesting distinction that I was thinking about earlier today. The difference between favorite and best. Where I, for me, best is something that is so... Uh, gripping or investing or just such a dominating experience that you can only do it in like every now and then, or if you're in the right mood, right? Like you couldn't do it all the time. Whereas favorite is something that you could do constantly, mm. right? Like the best meal I've ever had. I couldn't eat that every day. I wanted like maybe once a year I can, I do that. And I really experience it. Favorite is like a bowl of cornflakes. I could eat that all the time, every day. But I would never, like, suggest it as the best meal I've ever had. Right, right.
1: I feel that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like, when... So, when we watched the uh, Oscar-winning movie, it was Hacksaw Ridge. Oh, yeah. And that movie was, like... I was tore up by that movie. Like I was just like, Oh, this is the best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> and I've only watched it once though. Cause some of those movies that are so impactful, like I don't, I can't watch it again. Mm-hmm. It's like, I just don't, I, I just, I just can't. But, um, that movie was great. But like, yeah, I have some movies that I literally run in the background always like, like almost every Adam Sandler movie is <laughs> <like, it's laughs> always there. Um, but you're right, Tom. It's definitely like, there's a difference in, you know, the, the best and the favorite. Mm-hmm. And for me, what I notice cause Lance, my husband, he will always say, you watch the same show, same movie all the time. Why do you do that? And I'm like, there's something about the movies and the environment that the movie is in that I love so much. So, mm-hmm. like, I'm very big on movies that are in big cities or things that I like mm-hmm. um, or if it has anything to do with the beach or whatever. The location is so important to me for, like, a movie that's going to be on all the time. I don't know. There's just something about it.
2: It's almost like you're living through it. Yes. Yeah.
1: Um, I just, ugh, yeah, I do it. That's my reason, and I'm sticking to it.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I love to rewatch not just movies, but specific scenes from movies and, like, think about how they got the shot and, like, what they was trying to communicate with it. Like, I just watch scenes, not not even Goodfellas, but just scenes from Goodfellas Mm -hmm. over and over again. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Have you been doing that recently, or have you always done that?
0: That's what I do all the time instead of sleeping. (laughs) (laughs) Just laying in bed with my laptop over there, and I'm like, yeah. Yeah,
1: that's a good movie though. Mm -hmm. Goodfellas is great, great movie.
2: I feel like there's a lot of like classic, like people would be like, "Yeah, that's like, like, like the way that you talk about Sopranos." Oh yeah, like there's so many things like that that I've never seen, Mm -hmm. and it's just I, I have never, there hasn't even been a moment where I've been like, I should watch that. Like I feel like I've just like, I just continue not seeing them. I don't know why, Mm -hmm. but
1: did you watch the Sopranos? No. Oh okay.
2: I've never seen that. I've never seen. Like any of the Godfather, I've never seen Goodfellas. I've never seen
1: Scarface.
2: Never seen Scarface. Really? Yeah.
1: I'm trying so hard not to judge him. Like I'm just letting you just talk, and I'm like I'm not gonna. I don't know if it's
2: just like like a like a genre of movies that I that like my parents maybe just never watched,
1: mm-hmm.
2: either never watched, or they were like you can't see that
1: like well that no that plays a role definitely I mean different generations too. what you're what was playing in the house mm-hmm. or um I always noticed like the reason why I like Jocelyn Van Dam so much is because my brother did so you know in your you know in your house, and the family, like if people are watching or talking about this stuff, you automatically just get into it. Like all the Bruce Lees, all the Rockies, are you kidding me? And then going over which Rocky is best. I mean, I still have that argument today, <laughs> you know, like so it, all those movies just played in the house. And then that's why you watch them now still.
0: Mm-hmm. For the record, which is the best Rocky?
1: Four. Okay. Simple. Again, <laughs> Easy. Uh,
2: just to just to reiterate my point, I've never seen any of the Rockies oh either. Oh my
1: gosh, yeah. Everett. What are we going to do?
2: Like if you sat down with me and like went through like those kind of movies, you'd be like, have you ever seen a movie? <laughs> like I feel like that's like, like when people start talking about those, I'm like, ooh, I guess I really haven't seen much.
1: Well, what is your favorite movie?
2: Whatever the latest Marvel movie No, that's not true. Um... Well, I was, I, as a kid, I was huge on Star Wars, so I would have to pick either Empire Strikes Back or Return of the Jedi, probably between those two. Mm-hmm. I, like, I, I have old, like, pretty, like, they're in their probably mid 40s now, cousins. And, um, they obviously like Star Wars came out way before I was even born, so like mm-hmm. me, like in the original trilogy, is like really weird, like especially amongst like my friends and stuff like that. So like I, they watched those movies. I watched it with them, and then I was like, "Oh, these are like these are the best movies ever." And uh, I remember like when the 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 new ones came out, um, seven, eight, and nine, like. All my friends were like, oh, like, I might go see that. I've never seen any of the other ones, though. And I'm like, "It, like, the fact that, like, no one has seen the original trilogy would just, like, blew my mind. <laughs> it's like, how have you not seen, like, three of, like, the biggest movies to ever exist?
1: They're long movies, too. Like, are not and, that long. They're long. Like, me, me and Lance talk about, like, watching the entire, like, doing the whole thing. And like one day, and I'm like, that we can't even do that. Well, you
2: just skip the prequels; it's easy enough.
1: But yeah, I've, I've, I've actually haven't seen the Star Wars. Um, I mean, I did when I was young, but like, mm-hmm. I don't know what's going on. I used to think that Spaceballs was Star Wars <laughs> for like. I mean, yeah, it's <laughs> like, based on it. Yeah, yeah, but like, I used to think that was the Star Wars yeah. when I was young. <laughs> yeah, it was just horrible. But um, I mean, Spaceballs is great. But yeah, um, how about you, Tom? Favorite,
2: favorite movie all time. Vertigo. All right. what, about, what about best movie? Yeah. Same. <laughs> <laughs> you just you just contradicted your own your own point. In this
0: t- in this case, they're crossovers. I've seen Vertigo more than any other movie. I've easily watched it like two hundred times.
1: It's really hard to determine though, like the best favorite movie. I mean, because. Any movie that you love just it satisfies a different mm. thing, you know? Like, I love The Goonies. That's probably the movie that I always say that I love when someone asks me. But there's just so many other movies out there that are were, like, impactful, like Hacksaw Ridge mm. or 12 Years a Slave, I thought was an excellent movie. Mm-hmm. Um, that really depicted a lot of, of what happened back then, so... There's yeah, there's I love just go with it when Adam Sandler's it's just uh, awesome. Adam Sandler's so good. I He's can watch so, all his movies. That's my boy. What lo, what I love so much about That's My Boy with Adam Sandler is like it was the first time since like his re, his older movies where he finally like was like who he used to be in those other movies. Like it, it had been years. Um what am I thinking? What's the name of his other movie? The one with the golf movie the name of it. Oh,
2: Billy Madison? No. no. I'm sorry. Happy Gilmore. Happy Gilmore. Happy
1: Gilmore. Yes. Like he hadn't been that in so long and then that's my boy. He came out. Oh, mm. so good. Just super inappropriate. Just like so <laughs> funny. Um he's great and I love that he's, you know, on Netflix now doing all this cool stuff. So Yeah,
2: I remember we watched uh the new one, the new the Halloween one he put out last oh, yeah, year. We watched Halloween. it. Halloween. Yep. I was like, this is literally an Adam Sandler mashup. Mm-hmm. It's just like every movie in one movie. Yeah, he's just so, not even yep. trying at this point. He's just like, you know what? I'm just gonna do like, like I think when he didn't win something for Uncut Gems, he was like, I'm gonna make the worst movie you've ever seen. That's literally and what they that did. Was yeah,
1: so good, Uncut Gems. Oh my god, was so I love that good. Movie. Yeah, uh,
2: I've is, never been that so talking about movie, being in a movie theater and not thinking that was mm-hmm. like the one of the only times I've been like, I am. Like having a panic attack in the movie theater. Yeah,
1: I was so oh my gosh! Like that movie, and I think Inception were the two movies where I was just like, I've seen Inception. Oh come on, ever? is he here? Is he here, Tom? That's <laughs> he, what just, I said. What like He Starts to disappear. I
0: know. Um,
1: <laughs> yeah, I, that no Uncut Gems. I was I literally had anxiety mm-hmm. like in the chest. Mm-hmm. It was so bad, but it was such a good movie, and I didn't expect that either. I didn't know what the movie was about. And that's always cool too. That happened with um um uh, Get Out,
3: mm-hmm. that movie
1: that was done by um Peel. Was yep. it Peel? Jordan Peel. Jordan Peel, yeah. And um same thing. Like we finally got to see that movie and everyone was talking about it, but no one would say what it was about. And watching it and Jordan Peel is great because he adds that horror comedy into it. Oh, it was excellent. So no. that was a good one too. Uh
0: have you seen the movie from the other movie made by the, the brothers that directed Uncut Gems. No. It's called Good Time. Mm-mm. Has Robert Pattinson in it. That's even more intense oh. and like panic attack inducing than Uncut Gems.
1: Oh, I, that mm. one gave me real anxiety. Yeah. You know what? There was another movie that came out a few years ago. Um, and I think it was called Escape. That movie was, no, it was between that one and Uncut Gems that I had the most anxiety. The uh, the guy moved to, I can't remember which country it was, right outside Vietnam, I think, moved to a country for work, and then just, there was straight, just the, the country got taken over, and everyone was getting murdered. And so he had to get out with his family. He had his wife and his two small children, and they were literally running from these people who were trying to kill them. It was, me and Lance were like, it was like 3 a.m. We couldn't yeah. sleep, and we were watching this thing, and it, and it was so crazy, and uh, that movie was really, I think it was called Escape. Check it out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It was great. If you want that high adrenaline rush. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, that was like the, when I first saw, um, What was it? the, uh, oh my God, what's the name of the movie? quiet place the first one that was good that in theaters was like yeah i i love i hate it's really weird i hate horror movies Mm -hmm. i love thriller movies yeah yeah i could see that like i i definitely would pick that over yeah i I just never understood horror movies they just seem they just always seem kind of like unrealistic and dumb to me Mm -hmm. whereas like which is i mean kind of a dumb argument considering I like comic book movies. It's also unrealistic and dumb, but, um, well, it
0: definitely sounds that way when you talk about how, how pumped you were that like the new Dr. Strange movie is going to be a horror movie. And it's like, do you like horror movies? Well, it's no, it's not
2: because I don't think it's going to be a real horror movie. I mean, they still, <laughs> it's, it's like is horror movie and it, it'll have horror elements, mm-hmm. but not like a full on like horror movie.
0: Well, good horror movies usually have a very intense and fast-paced uh, plot that keeps you engaged. And they have uh, striking, uh, interesting visual imagery. And there's a lot of opportunities for tension between the characters. So well, good ones end up too, being good movies.
1: Also, too, so I love horror movies. So there's different types of horror movies, too. So you have, like, the Saw kind of movies that mess with your head. And I actually don't like, like those at all then you have the ones that are about entities and demons and things like that. And then mm. you have the ones that are about murderers and serial killers. So there's, you know, there's categories That's there. true. Like, which one do you want? Like, I love the stuff about ghosts and entities and things like that. It's always been an interest of mine. And then serial killers can't go wrong with a serial killer. Like, you <laughs> no. know, you can't go wrong there. So it's, you know, whichever one you like. Mm. but um, They're good.
2: The only ones I'll watch are the old uh, Friday the 13th Jason movies. Because they are hilarious. Hilarious. They're so funny. Every I it's time. it's if if more movies were like that, I would watch them.
0: So when you say a horror movie, are you thinking like specifically about like slasher movie stuff? Or are you thinking anything that would fall into the category of horror movie?
2: I guess I more think of like the like the ones that are just like excessively gory and like you know, there's like haunted like you know, spirits in your walls and like oh. that kind of like just mm-hmm. like just like like very general like anyone could have thought of this horror movie okay. like, like serial killer stuff i guess i don't really think of horror movies i don't know why mm. i think i i feel like that feels more thrillery to me i guess yeah
0: yeah well some of my favorite movies are horror movies but they wouldn't they're not like slasher movies they're uh, it's like the shining or yeah, uh, the Blair Witch Project. Yeah,
1: all that see, yeah, like Blair, Blair Witch. Witch when that movie came out, mm-hmm. that was like the, oh, man. <laughs> I was like, I think I was like 14. And I'm in my room like half asleep and my brother comes home. My brother just, well, my brother's five years older than me, so he was like 19 or whatever. He just went to see it with his friends. Like the night it came out in the movie theater comes home wakes up my mother and starts telling my mom about this movie that's real because remember I don't know if you guys even remember but when that movie came out everyone thought it was real so he comes home he's freaking out he's telling my mom word for word how the movie went and he's like they're still out there mom they're still (laughs) out there and I'm just like listening like I want to go. Where are they? You know, cause again, I was so into that stuff. I remember the next day I'm like, we need to see this movie. And it wasn't until like a week later where they were all on, like Jay Leno or something. Um, all oh, that movie is so good. And even still, if I watch Blair, Witch, I'm still like, this is freaky. That like, still gets me every time. Oh yeah. That's yeah. A, so well done. And then if you think about the paranormal activities, one through four, just again with the, with the camera, you just going through, I don't care. They have the stupidest ones on Netflix right now where like, amazon prime if you're walking with a camera into a dark room and somebody jumps you're jumping like whatever mm-hmm. and that's the point right so those, those are always my
2: favorite when that happens you're great. like damn it i knew I, I knew it was gonna happen i'm
1: always like <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah like I don't or like you've care. seen the movie before and it still gets you mm-hmm. you're like why mm-hmm. i thought i was gonna be the only one to just sit here and be <laughs> like haha got you not me
1: oh so funny
2: uh
1: i definitely uh my sister-in-law she's She would never go see horror films. She's so scared. And me and her will argue about, you know, what's scarier, a scary movie or a roller coaster? Because I don't ride roller coasters, right? Mm -hmm. So I would be like, well, you can die on a roller coaster. You can't die if you watch (laughs) this movie with me. And she's like, nope, never. I'm never going to watch it. So funny.
2: I would be on the side of scary movie is scarier. Yeah.
0: I don't, Mm -hmm. I can't get anywhere near a roller coaster. Can't do it.
1: I can't do it either. I love roller
2: coasters. Oh
0: god, I hate them. I, I hate them so much. I,
1: you know, I was watching TikTok yesterday, every day, and um, there's this. There was this one guy. He was hanging off of a, a hot air balloon ledge, and so he's like, you know, waiting there for them to get the camera right because he's just gonna drop because he has, the, you know, the parachute on and stuff, and he just drops, and he's like, I don't know, twenty thousand feet in the air, and all you see, it's beautiful, right? You know, he drops and he puts his hands behind his head like he's <laughs> laying down and just like takes it and I'm just like how do you not get that knot in your stomach that you get when you free fall you know like it's just amazing to be, to me how people can ride rides like that like I just find it so incredible that you can do that and not be afraid like that's crazy It's cool mm.
2: yeah I've been on a roller coaster in so long I want to go I want to go now
1: See like wouldn't you? You're not scared especially since you haven't done it in a long time?
2: Not at all. Oh my gosh. No, if anything I I want to do it more. Really? Yeah.
1: And it's like just you get all excited when you sit down and
2: Yeah, I mean it's the it's the it's the thrill. It's yeah. it's the adrenaline, it's the
0: Oh my gosh. I I was in several major car accidents before my first roller coaster ride. So to me, a roller coaster is very much the same feeling as being in a bad car oh accident. My God. Jeez, it's <laughs> <So> horrible.
3: <laughs>
0: Except it goes on for several minutes instead oh. of ten seconds or something. Oh God, it's
3: terrifying. Yeah, talk it's about terrifying. They
2: make a scary movie about that. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, they should.
2: Jeez, it's very scary. Oh, now now I always think about that when I go to roller coaster. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. The only thing
0: that's scarier than that is when you go to. Six Flags with your friend who, who will make your life hell if you don't go on all of the roller coasters <laughs> with her. <laughs> and it's like, hmm, do I want to put up with that on the drive home or am I going to do the roller coasters? Well, I guess funny. I'll do the
2: roller coasters. It's funny because I always, I, I was always in your guys' position as a kid. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, no way, no mm-hmm. chance will I go on a roller coaster. And then I, I don't know what happened. I just went on one. I went on Superman. That was the first one I went on. Because wow. everyone was like, it's the best. And I was like,
1: it's the scariest.
2: Look at that line. <laughs> it's got to be good.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Three hours later.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I got on and I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. it's good. I got to do it again. Mm. There's one in New Jersey that's like a 90 degree angle.
1: Is I probably saw it on TikTok. I feel like I saw that. King Ka. Ka.
2: That's the one. Oh, I want so to mm. ride that so um, bad. stop. I want to ride that so bad. Yeah.
1: I remember, so I've dated guys in my past that liked roller coasters and I did it. So that was always a bad thing
2: going
0: <laughs> to Six Flags
1: with a guy that I'm sitting on the bench doing the wave. Right. <laughs> um, I'll never forget when I first met Lance. It was probably like our first date. And I'm like, Do you like roller coasters? He was like, Nope. I'm like, I'm Marrying this guy. <laughs> like, I just, oh, thank God. Cause yeah, like going with friends or a person you're dating or whatever. It sucks because they're like, that was great. I'm going to go again. And you're like, I'm leaving. (laughs) (laughs) This is the worst trip ever.
2: (laughs) Uh, I loved the, like, I went to Disney um, February 2020, like right before COVID. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess during, like, the beginning of COVID. It's not right before it, but right before everything shut down. And... uh, we, we had like the picture package or whatever. So like basically every, every ride right at Disney, you get the photo at like the, the, the best part of the ride, every single ride, every one of my wife's family members is just like completely like the, the scaredest person you've ever seen. They're all just like, like, they just, like, they're about to die, and I'm always in the corner, just the biggest smile on my face, look like I'm, like, literally, like, every picture, people were like, is this, the, is this the happiest you've ever been? And I was like, I just like rides, like, I just, like, like, we were doing the, uh, the Tower of Terror, mm-hmm. and, like, at everyone in the pictures, like, grabbing yeah. someone next to them with, like, like, the most, like, strained neck yeah. and everything, and I'm just like, like it's like, it's like I'm just in a normal elevator. Like it's just it's so funny. <laughs> but I just yeah I don't know.
1: I like how they say that to ever like is this the happiest you've ever been? <laughs> <laughs> like yes, actually.
2: <laughs> yeah. So I yeah I like rides. I I think they're. Uh...
1: Well, the funny thing is, is that I have, I have rode. I did the bungee jump thing at Six Flags. I've I've ridden roller coasters. I've. I've done a lot of them. So, like, I definitely tried it, and it was one of those things where, like, after you do it, I was just like, oh, that's not so bad. You know, it's always like that, but. Um,
2: not so bad, but I don't want to do it again.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it was, uh, you know, a decade later or whatever, and I went on the uh, the pirate ship. You know, it's at every carnival. I actually did it in Salem um, when I was there with friends, and I was terrified, we sat right at the end because that was in my mind. Like, you always sit at the end. You always go to either end on the boat, you know? So I sat at the very end and I thought I was going to fall out. I was screaming. There's actually a video of me screaming on it. And I'm like, I can't, I'm really scared. I'm done. That was it for me.
2: I will say, I like rides. I will never go on a ride at a car- carnival. <laughs> no, ever, no, ever.
1: You got to grow up in a city, man.
2: <laughs> they put those things together in like three minutes, mm-hmm. and they're like, yeah, they ride, they ride them up on trucks, and they're just like, ha ha, a carnival. And there's like, you know, I wouldn't even go on it if it was like the the the. Like merry go round. Mm-hmm. Like, I just feel like all that stuff. Like, you always see. Unfolds. Well, you always see videos of like the, you know, the, they forgot to put a screw in and the, the rides going like, you know, out of control. And you're mm-hmm. like, absolutely not. They Don't just had one. You. Did
1: you guys see that on TikTok? It no. was a few weeks ago. Oh my gosh. It was at oh, a carnival. Did you see, see that. that one? I
0: definitely, I think I've seen it. It yeah.
1: was the one that goes around, but like the seats are facing out. So everyone's like facing. Oh
2: out, no. And it
1: goes like this. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. And it starts. Started the, the foundation of it started to, like, pucker. And so um, everyone's, like, walking by. Of course, you know, you got the person who's recording the whole thing not helping at all. And then just a bunch of people went on it and started holding it oh down. So they ended up holding oh, it down. Oh, yeah,
2: I did see this, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: And I always wondered. I'm like, where's the, the, the guy? Where's the <laughs> operator? Like, nowhere to be found. Yeah, it was crazy.
2: Oh, man. Yeah, no thanks. Terrifying.
0: Yeah, roller coaster design is... Has been pushed to the limits of what the human body can take. They're shutting them down now because the uh, constant ramp up to be more intense is resulting in like you know human bodies deteriorating through the ride. Like they had to shut down one in Japan recently because people just kept getting broken bones from I the God, like the speed, the forces being put on the human body on that roller coaster are more than it is physically possible. And you to got take. Everett
1: there, like yeah, <laughs> so it can.
0: sounds like it's <laughs> worth it. <laughs> When they when trains were first uh, becoming a thing, like people were like, we can't ride this. The human body can't handle those speeds. If you go faster than twenty miles an hour, all your organs will rupture. <laughs> that's,
2: well, that's what I think alcohol. about the 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 Elon Musk thing, that the Hyperloop. You you get to like you go from like New York to California in like a few hours or something, like some like crazy high speed subway train. Mm-hmm. Like how would that not just like it's
0: inertia? Well, you're accelerated at the same speed as the thing is, so there's no, you're, that's why, you know, in a moving car that's going 80 down the highway, it's not, everything's not flying to the back and pinned against the wall there.
1: <laughs> well, what, how, how fast did he say that was going to go?
0: I have no say? idea.
1: Because but like in China, they got ones that go like 200 miles an hour. Yeah, so. Japan's
0: covered in high speed rail. Yeah, yeah, so
1: they're like, you know, the innovators of that. So we could do it here, definitely, and that would be awesome. But yeah. it's one of those things where I remember looking at this stuff when I worked at a um, previous engineering company, um, you know, something that fast. You know, it, it's, it's got to have its own, you know, it can't be going through, you know, the the city, you mm-hmm. know, like where people are walking and stuff. I mean, it, there's so much infrastructure to build something like that, but it could be done. Yeah. Definitely.
2: definitely um. Great. The... Hyperloop theoretically could bring passengers from city to city in less than forty-five minutes, traveling at a top speed of seven hundred and sixty miles per hour. Oh. <laughs> That's
1: insane. It's got to be in the air, <laughs> like <where> ten, <laughs>
2: 10 to fifteen times, ten to fifteen times faster than traditional railroads. That's
0: crazy. Well, you That's know, Japan is like the most densely populated country there is, and uh, they have high-speed rail for decades now, <laughs> and I don't think they've. I believe there has not been a single fatality in the history of the Japanese high-speed rail.
2: Are they all that like the like the the Maglev
1: mm.
2: one? Or have exhausted like, my knowledge of Japanese like high-speed rail?
1: Like <laughs> vibranium? <laughs> vibranium? yeah vibranium? Vibranium? <laughs> no,
2: no, they're like the the like the the rail is basically the it levitates with mag with magnets
1: like vibranium. Like this is what we're talking yeah. about, right? Yeah, Black yeah. <laughs> Panther, yeah. <laughs> <out> baby. <laughs>
2: I'm pretty sure that's a thing.
1: I'm pretty sure it is. I mean,
2: I'll, I'll take your word for it.
1: I think it I think is. is.
2: <laughs> I'm not going to look it up because now I'm right. So <laughs> <laughs> um There's no one here to say you're wrong. Yeah, so there you means go. I'm right. <laughs> there you go.
0: I had a question I might want to pose to you, Alicia. Sure. Um Not really a play hard one, but, uh so Ever and I had a, a situation the other day when we were filming that was a, kind of a Jedi-related situation. Uh, conundrum that we had Mm -hmm. Mm. where we were filming a scene and we're like okay now let's go talk to the the top brass and we're trying to think of synonyms for you know people in charge and i think we what was the one that we were like we didn't know if there were going to be some kind of connotations to this head honcho head honcho yeah okay we're
2: like can we say that well then like, we looked them then we looked up other ones and they all sounded bad yeah like it was like I can't remember what the other ones were top banana top banana yeah
0: like we're like there's no way top banana does not have some kind of misogynistic ba- background
2: well there. and then you got like the um oh my god what was the other one? The Great White Chief. Was oh, one. yeah. I was like, I've like, never what? heard that, but why is that in there? Yeah.
1: Oh, that's interesting that you guys actually looked up the other terms. We, so yeah, we from that.
2: we Googled them and then... Because like, we're trying to find
0: something that, like, we could say for certain did not have something.
2: Some well, it was, history. like, a little silly and, like, it wasn't, like, you know, off to the executives. Like, it was yeah, something a exactly. little more, like, yeah...
1: Well, what were, who were you guys looking to actually speak to? Yep, just leadership or?
2: Oh, yeah, yeah, you, you, yeah. You, Dan, and Tad pretty much, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah.
0: But we wanted, the tone we wanted was something that was like light and informal and a little silly.
1: Mm-hmm. So the best, the best option probably would have just been leadership. And the reason for that is, is because anyone could be in leadership. There is no, um, take on gender there. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, for instance, uh, this is a little bit related, but I just want to bring up where someone had asked, you know, is it okay if I say, Hey guys, or Hey gals? Mm -hmm. Um, and it was like, just say, Hey people, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, so I think anything that kind of can cover, um, or even, um, if someone was to, you always want to think about when you say something, what could anyone think that means? If it's a, as general as you can make it, the better. So in leadership, it could be anybody. When you say people, that could be any human, mm-hmm. you know, so things like that. So I would say that, you know, something pretty generic like that would have would be best. Mm-hmm. But I think you guys are probably trying to be more creative in that, I'm <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> but, in, but that's the rule of thumb, right? You just want to make sure it's something where um, – it is inclusive, mm-hmm. so
2: I can't remember what you ended up saying. I have either. to find Did out you on YouTube. Did you say to
1: the top? Was it something top related? It Did might you? have been
0: like it wasn't.
2: I gotta go look through my Google searches mm-hmm. again. See,
0: <laughs> um, it might have been head honchos. Head honchos. Head honchos. Yeah, because mm-hmm. that had a that was clearly 'cause because that was derived from a Japanese word for like person in charge or something. Oh, okay. So. We could trace that one back to something.
1: But no, I think that that could also work as well. It was just funny because, like,
2: Googling it, it's so, like, it was, like, head honcho, numero uno, big kahuna. Like, it was, like, everything was, like, I feel like, like, using a, a different culture. It felt like it was almost, like, like, like no one uses that outside of like people just being like, oh, you know, numero uno, but like they don't, they don't care about like anything that, that's coming from, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're just like, like I think like when people just like will like throw around like random like Spanglish words, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like they'll just like kind of say something that like, oh, I'll say, I'll just add an O to it and it's Spanish. Like, yeah. you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Well, the, like the, the humor is supposed to come from, Oh isn't it? don't these foreign words sound funny right thing right. you know yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah
1: yeah, that's interesting. I'm glad that you guys actually thought about that though right because I think a lot of that the whole Jedi mission is to really just get people to think um, about other people or to think about well how This doesn't sound right. Let me, you know, let's try to make this more inclusive or whatever. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. good job, guys. Thank you. Very, very proud of you.
2: Yeah, there's it's funny because there's so many things that like I've probably said a billion times that I've just like you just say them because like, well, that's like something we did while we were kids or that's something that's just like a saying or like a story Mm -hmm. or a rhyme or something like that and then like you look into it and you're like oh no like I had no idea that's what that was like it's mm-hmm. just it's crazy how much is out there that's just like you don't like, like you said like don't even think about it like it's just totally like well that's just you know those are just the words that's just what it is and mm-hmm. like yeah it's it's kind of scary when you think about it
1: mm. yeah Well, we don't know what we don't know. Mm -hmm. And I think that a lot of times when people do say things, and it kind of is tied to the cancel culture stuff too, in a lot of ways, where someone said something and then they apologize. And, you know, I think we need to give people grace when that happens because. You know, when you honestly don't know something means that or you don't know the background, like it's I think it's fair to say that, you know, I didn't know that. But now I learned and I, you know, not only will I not do it again, I'm going to share my experience so people won't, you know, other people will learn. So, yeah, it's Mm -hmm. happening more and more with so much these days. I think we're we're doing our own research, but Mm -hmm. like learning about where things come from and and just trying to be better, better humans.
2: Yeah, it's. You know, it's, it's interesting you say that about the, you know, giving people grace because it's like, where, where do you, how do you expect anyone to like learn if you're just like, nope, you're done. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's just like, <laughs> sorry, you did one thing wrong. You're done. It's like, yeah. how is that? How is that? How is that showing anyone how to actually like navigate this?
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I think a lot of the conversation about it too is people is an echo chamber of people talking about how they can't say what they want to say anymore and there's but there's no one actually there like telling them they can't or anything mm-hmm. it's basically there's like a general sense of like we need to be more careful and sympathetic with how we with our speech and how we interact with people and the people who are in the position to actually find something offensive or be hurt by something I in my experience they are rarely as upset when that happens Mm -hmm. as the people who feel like they can't say whatever they want to say anymore. Like there's so much anger and resentment from people who are like, wow, I want to say whatever I want. Mm -hmm. Why can't I say that? It's like, you're the one who's really mad here.
1: (laughs) It's true. And a lot of it has to do with communication and just taking the time to communicate on the issue or what I don't know. I mean, ego gets in the way all the time with people, people, um, you know, the, it, it is a, um, a position of vulnerability too, for you to be like, I don't get this. Can you teach me this? I think one of the things that I've, um, that I've noticed about learning, um, like the pronouns thing. So I think it's important to, when you're trying to understand that, right. Um, is also when like you introduce yourself to somebody and you say your pronouns, right? Especially if you're in a space when you don't know anybody, it really does something for others to give them the opportunity to say their pronouns. Um, And so I think about that a lot when, like, Tom, you were talking about how – you know, people get so mad and especially with like the pronoun situation, people do get, and and when you kind of go into that a little bit more with the LBGTQ community, trans and things like that and how gender versus sex and, you know, that whole thing. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, you know, people are going to give you grace like you don't know what someone's pronouns is if they don't have it like on their name badge or whatever so um you know it's always good to just you know introduce yourself and say your pronouns because they will then say their pronouns you know most of the time and so then you can refer to them as whatever their pronouns are so um I'm learning to do this a little bit more because I have been in situations where, cause I'm someone who usually says, Hey guys, Hey ladies, Hey, you know, and so I've learned to, you know, in email and things like that to just, you know, address people as their name mm-hmm. um, because I don't know, you know, if they go by she, you know, him or they. So um, it's just one of those things where like, you're right, Tom, people are actually okay to be like, it's okay. You know, you didn't know, you know, right. but once you know, then you know, we're good. Let's mm-hmm. move forward. So
2: Yeah, one of the things that I have been uh happy that I can use now because of where I live is y'all.
1: Yeah. I've always used I've
2: y'all. never well, I've never want, I've never wanted to use it because of like, you know, it's one of those things like, Oh, you went to Texas and now you say <laughs> y'all all the time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, oh you you have an accent now, you wear cowboy boots yeah. and a hat. And it's like, no, it's the easy it's the it's the smartest contraction ever. Like it's mm-hmm. just like like you would just use it for everything. I like it, it. it's like why I say like my favorite is when people say all y'all. Oh
1: gosh. It's like no. No.
2: No. You're all of you all. Yeah.
1: <laughs> saying it twice.
2: Yeah. It's like no, just say y'all. That works. You don't need to say all y'all.
1: <laughs> I love y'all. I've been saying y'all Forever, and I love it. It's, like, in my text, like, it's just always there. I use it all the time. I use it in emails. I use it on LinkedIn. Like, it's so, it's kind of like using ain't, you know? Like, but it's my word. I love y'all.
2: I definitely use it more over, like, text and email just because I'm still getting used to saying it, and I feel Mm -hmm. like saying it just sounds silly sometimes. Mm -hmm. Like, you're just, like... Especially since, like, I never used it before. So, like, if I don't see someone in two years because of COVID and I come back and I'm saying, y'all, they're like, okay, whatever. We know you live in Texas. You don't have to prove it. Oh, my gosh.
1: That's so funny. But,
2: yeah, I I definitely like using that.
1: Yeah, it's great. Everyone from my city uses it pretty much. Like, it's a good, like you said, wraps everybody in. Simple,
2: quick, easy to say.
1: So are you guys going to see Halloween? What do you guys think? Have you seen the Halloweens? What do you think? <sighs> Whatever. Have you seen the Halloweens? No. Really? I've none never, of
2: them? I've
0: never been interested in slasher movies.
1: Oh, okay. Oh, I don't know. I've always been into them, but I'm just super excited that it's coming out. And I'm, and if it comes out on HBO Max and I don't got to leave the house, listen, y'all, listen. <laughs> listen. Oh, I hope so. I love October.
2: Yeah. I'm, I like Halloween movies, but I like... Like holly movies, I watched when I was like twelve.
1: <laughs> Next, like let's say uh, like Hocus, Halloween Pocus, Town, Hocus Halloween Pocus, Halloween Town,
2: yeah. yeah. So I guess it, basically Disney Channel movies, mm-hmm. but um, yeah, I think it's more of just a nostalgic thing, and totally because like Halloween now, it's like, eh, it's fine. Like you know, mm-hmm. I, I get to at least now you know. I get to be near, like, in close to my niece and nephew and see them yeah. do their thing and
1: yeah, wear awesome. their
2: costumes and go around with them and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, and it's a, it's definitely, it's a little different um, in terms of, I mean, my wife is, like, I don't know, like, you know. Oh, she doesn't like Halloween. She, she likes Halloween. Yeah. She could care less about any type of Halloween movie or any, like, she, she likes decorating. She likes the, you know, she likes fall. Mm-hmm. But, like, Halloween movies, she just, like, I, and I think it's because like she just didn't grow up with them, yeah. Like she just never right. watched them, so right. it's like it's that like exactly that nostalgia thing I'm talking about just doesn't exist for her. Like it's right. just like watching them now. She's like, oh, cool, a bad movie. Like it's mm-hmm. like you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, I like I like the I like the season. I like uh, I definitely like the uh, the Halloween Oreos. Always look forward to those. Let's see.
1: There's always something something for everybody. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah, no. I I've always been a huge Halloween fan. Um, you know, going to any haunted trail, any haunted house. I mean, it was like every weekend where are we going. <laughs> um, you know, every scary movie, um, Halloween parties, how many can I get to in one night? Like just so obsessed. And when it was so funny up until um, me and my, my group of people started having kids, every October we would all get in the car and go to a different, you know, haunted spot. Um, the best one. Okay, this is awesome. So this is 2013. We went to the Eastern State Penitentiary in Philadelphia. Okay, oh, drove there about four cars of us. Okay, and um, I was so pumped about this because I have watched this historic building on tv it's like one of the most haunted jails in the country all this stuff so i was like this is exciting so we get in the car we get down there lines long whatever so get up there to the front entrance and we got to sign the waiver you know there's a waiver to sign and they have this option i've been doing this a long time never had this option before they had an option where if you put on a glow stick necklace you can be part of the show oh no (laughs) meaning that people will grab you you know they're not gonna Mm. like hit you or anything crazy but they'll kind of grab you or touch you or whatever because typically they don't touch you you know they always say no one's gonna touch you but you can sign up for that. I was like, <laughs> sign me up. Yeah. Um. Oh, it was awesome. So you're going through the jail, and, and a guy like um put his arm around my neck and like had like <laughs> oh a god. fake oh like my syringe, god. and it was Jesus. so cool. Oh my like, god! You're getting grabbed through things, and oh, it was awesome. And I was the only. There was like 13 of us. I was the only one who did it, and I was like, yikes! We drove. Three and a half hours spent like 60 bucks. I'm getting my money's worth, (laughs) it was awesome. So, yeah, when you're into that stuff, and people know anyone listening to this that's into it, they get it. Like, they have those uh, things now, too, where you can pay it's not the panic rooms, but like, have you seen this stuff where like you can pay to be in a situation like Saw? I would never do this because the saw stuff, like I said earlier, is not my thing. Like Mm -hmm. that kind of messes with your mind. And it's like, oh, you got five minutes before your head explodes, (laughs) like, you know, weird stuff. But um, they have like stuff that you can do. There's like a spot in New York, I think, that does it where you can sign up to be in like a situation like that. And it's just, yeah, people get all into it. It's great. Mm -hmm.
2: That's the level of, uh, how interesting life is for some people that they have to be put into a scary movie, (laughs) feel like they're going to die and pay for it at (laughs) at the very least. Oh my God.
1: Yeah. My brother sent me that link. He was like interested. I'm like, no, I I know I'm into it, but I ain't, I ain't that into it.
2: Yeah. What did you do on Saturday? Mm. Well,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I pretended to that I was going to die. Yeah. And I paid for it.
2: <laughs> yeah. Slept really good on Sunday,
1: though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. I got to pick up my son. All right. All right. This was fun. It
0: this was. was really good. Yeah. Very productive. Love y'all. Bye. 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 <laughs> Thanks for joining us, everyone. 312 is a production of HRP Associates, produced, recorded, and edited by me, Tom Simmons, with technical assistance from Everett Anderson. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe and rate us five stars. Check out our YouTube channel as well or reach out to us through hrpassociates.com to learn more about any of the services we talked about today. Stay safe, everyone. Till next time.